0: Hey, listen, last week, um, last week I, I was with a friend of mine and we were, we were chatting and talking and having fun and playing golf and, and talking football. And, you know, we were doing what the two of us do all the time. It was really fun together. But I knew that there was at one point, I knew that at some point in this this last weekend, I knew that I needed to talk to him about something that he has confessed that he wants change in his life with, something that he has just gotten so tired of, something he has expressed over and over again that this is, it's a frustrating part of his life. It's something he wants change on. It's one of those enough is enough things that he has in his life where he's just going, man, enough is enough. I'm tired of this path that I keep going down. I'm tired of this, this trail that I keep, for some reason, stepping onto, and I just keep walking down it. I want the change in my life, and I knew that that was one of those things that, that, that he had and he'd expressed before, but that we had, we had ignored over and over again the times we'd seen each other because it's just easier to not talk about it. And so I finally just said, you know what, we got to talk about this. And so I brought it to him. And I, and, I, and I was hesitant, too, because it's way easier to talk football. It's way easier to not have to bring something, something like that into the conversation. But the other, I, so I, I didn't want to bring it for that reason. I also want to bring it because I know that I'm also dealing with those things. We all are. We all have our enough is enough stuff in our life. We all have our things that we're just going, man, I, I Why do I keep finding myself on this trail? Why do I keep finding myself giving in to this habit? Why do I keep doing these things? We all have our enough is enough stuff. You wake up in the morning. Some of us wake up in the morning and you are anxious still from the night before. In fact, you didn't wake up. You woke up at 3 and you haven't gone to bed since then. Your to-do list is, is flying and you're just, you wake up and, and, and if you're at all like me, there's times where I wake up and I just go, I am, I, enough is enough with this anxiety that I wake up with. For some of you, it is your busyness and then it is, you're your, your full from morning till night. And you're going, I got no room to breathe. And so you wake up with short of breath and you're going, enough is enough. How many more days am I waking up short of breath? For some of you, it is your, your anger, your anger where you're just, I'm just, I'm, I'm waking up and I'm, and I'm just still angry over something that's happening. You're just going, enough is enough. Some of you, it's about forgiveness. You have held this grudge and you're going, how much longer do I got to do? How much longer am I going to hold that? When am I going to finally extend forgiveness where I need to extend forgiveness? But we don't. For some of you, it is a job that you just know you need to change, but you're not, gonna, you're not changing it. For some of us, it's a relationship that you know you need to get out of, but we're not changing it. For some of it, it is, it is, it is the, the things we drink. It's the things we smoke. It's the things we eat. And you're just going, It's enough is enough. For some, it's your debt where you're just going, I just keep piling it up. Enough is enough. Some of it's just ridiculous habit that we've got in our life. Some of it's just, man, I, I just... I I keep doing the same old stupid stuff. You know, some of us, Aisha brought this up, it's about our phones. Some of us, this is our enough is enough, where you just keep scrolling. And I don't know why, but it just makes me, the phone makes me scroll. And we just scroll. Or worse, you play. And you're just playing and hours and hours. And in the end, at the end of the day, do we we put our phone down next to our bed and go, that was an awesome four hours to finish my day. (laughs) That scrolling was awesome. I learned so many things about so many people. Or do you look at it and you go, holy smokes, how many days in a row am I doing this? And you wake up the next morning and you go, this is the day that I'm leaving my phone. And then you're walking out the door, going, "Where's my phone?" We all have them. We all have those 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 things that we're just going, "Ah, oh, I want health in my life." And I'm tired, and I gotta I gotta go. This is enough. Is enough. Well, I thought about my, my friend with this when I talked to him about this, about his situation, and, and his response was so real. He was going, Bill, I don't have the determination to do it, to change He says, "I don't have the 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 willpower to change." He says, "You got so much more willpower than I do." I'm going, "Are you kidding me? I don't got no willpower either." But he's got, you got willpower to do. I don't have any willpower to do this. I don't have a faith that that I can trust that God's going to be with me in this. I don't have a prayer life that I can actually pray about this stuff. I don't have a. I'm. I, I feel like I sabotage myself all the time when I try to change that, or somebody else sabotages me when I try to change it. I mean, all of those things came up, and it's a couple-hour conversation, so all of those came up, and he went to bed, and I stayed down there for a while in his place, and I'm just going, dang it. That's what we all say. We all have our reason why we can't move forward and change the things that we know we need to change in our life. We all have our, I, don't, I just don't have the, the willpower or the faith or whatever to do it. And so I sat there and I thought, man, this is all of us. we got to talk about this. And so I started thinking about the passage of Scripture that that, was coming to me. was, God, where do you want me to go with your word? Because we want to rest this in your word. And the the passage that kept coming to me, unfortunately, was one that I spoke on like four weeks ago. And I'm like, well, that doesn't work. There's an unwritten rule that pastors aren't allowed to speak on something they just spoke on four weeks ago. You know, so I just, I can't do that. God, give me a new passage that I'm going to go to. And it kept coming back to the same passage, the same passage. It kept saying that night, I'm going, it is, it is Nehemiah chapter six. This is Nehemiah chapter six stuff. I came home and I asked Jackie, I said, can I, can I speak on Nehemiah chapter six? Can I, will you give me permission to do that since I just did it four, four weeks ago? And she said, well, what's the worst case scenario? People get up and walk out? And I said, yes, that is the worst case scenario, and that will happen. She goes, you can, you can do this, Bill. You can do it. She's always my encourager to do. So I, so I'm gonna do this. So if you don't like it, blame Jackie. She's the one that told me to do it. (laughs) Nehemiah, Nehemiah six. It's just kept coming back. We have our things that we want to change. We have our things that we want to go, I'm going to do this. And then we have our excuses why we don't. And we never do. Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah was a guy in the Old Testament. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was a cupbearer to to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And he hears about this mess that's going on in Jerusalem. And he's going, I got to go help these guys in the mess that they're in. And so he prays about it. And then he goes to Artaxerxes. He says, man, can you, will you let me go so I can go help these people in Jerusalem? And he says, yes, go ahead and do that. So he goes off to Jerusalem and he sees the mess that's happening there. And he's going, we have got to refortify this city. We got to rebuild this city. It's going to start with the walls. We got to bring the wall back up again because we got to fortify our city. And he gathered a bunch of people together. and He said, come on, you guys, let's do this thing together. And they all got together and they started building this wall. They started building it back up again. And while that's happening, he had an enemy, Sambalat. Weird name, Sambalat. He's the enemy, and he comes, comes up to Nehemiah, and he's trying to convince him, don't build this thing, because he's one of those warlords that's wanting anything to, to, to come into Jerusalem. He's going, don't build this thing. And so Sambalat's trying to get him to stop. And he's going, man, I don't want to stop. And the more I started thinking about my, my friend's situation, the more I started thinking about my situations and all of my excuses, I'm going, oh my gosh, we all have our sand ballad. We all have our voice. And it might just be, it might be somebody in our lives or it might just be our voice saying, nah, this isn't worth it. Nah, don't do it. Nah, you're not going to make it. We've got that voice in our life. And Nehemiah is on this wall and he's going, man, I am doing a good thing. I got to stay up here. Here's what it says in Nehemiah 6. This is the passage that is just, just pounded into me. He says, "I am doing a great work. I can't come down. Stand on that wall. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down." You guys remember what for you guys that were here 4 weeks ago when I preached on this? I heard some people said, "Yes, gosh, I needed to say that. I needed to hear that." But then sometimes we just say we need to hear it, but then it just kind of falls away and you go, "Oh yeah, I remember that, Pat." That's not bad. We can't forget this one. This is too big. This is one that has to hit every one of us. Because we all have those times where the Lord is calling us or having to step out into something that's going to be far greater for ourselves, far healthier for ourselves, that we need to do. And he's saying, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I am not coming down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down to see you? Four times they sent this message and four times I gave them my answer. I love that because that's, I mean, that's that sambal, that's that voice that will over and over again come to you and say to you, nah, you're stupid. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Over and over again that will happen. You might fight that off once, but the third or fourth time, a little easier to come down. Now, now see, he knew, Nehemiah knew that sambal wanted to kill him. And I started thinking more about this, that that's reality in our life, too. When we have to stand for something that is, that, that is going to bring us far more health in our life, when we, fall, when we come off of that wall, it can kill us. It can kill our marriage. It can kill our relationships. It can kill our passion. It can kill us. And that voice continues to pound into us. The fifth time, same message, same message. They were trying to intimidate us into quitting. They thought, they'll give up, they'll never finish. Is that not the voice we hear more than any other voice? You'll never finish. You're going to quit. You start this change in your life, you will never finish it. Remember those times that you started to change something in your life? Remember how you quit? You'll never finish it. You're going to quit. I don't know about you, but that is my number one voice. I started exercise thing, and that's my number one voice. You will never finish. You will quit. You want to fix your debt? You will never finish. You will quit. You want to fix your busyness? you'll never finish that. It'll only get worse. It will only get worse. You're going to quit. That's the voice we hear all the time. And Nehemiah says, I prayed, God, give me strength. And that's why I like this passage so much. It's speaking right to us because we're on these walls and we're saying, I'm not coming down. This is the change I need to make. This is what i got to do. And, and yet we hear the voices that say, you're going to quit, you're going to quit. And we're standing there going, God, please give me the strength that I can keep going because I need to see this change for me in my own life. Let me keep going. And, and we're right there. And I'm sitting there thinking about my friend and, and thinking about this passage and how much I want to just give him this passage. But then I thought, but what did Nehemiah do that helped him so much on this wall? What did Nehemiah do that, that helped him to stay on the wall? The first thing he did is he prayed. Now, it does not say in here that Nehemiah was this great prayer I don't think that's prayer he, he wasn't that. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Nehemiah, gosh, thank God that he was so good at prayer that he totally trusted it. It doesn't say that. It just says Nehemiah prayed. And so we can go with our faith as small as a mustard seed and just go, God, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know, but you know what? I just need your help. He prayed. And the second thing he did, and the one that I want to just rest on for a while, but a little bit this morning, his Nehemiah was not alone. Nehemiah got his army, Nehemiah got his people, and they were on the wall with him. And so when Samballot came and said, come off that wall, and Nehemiah said, I am doing a good work, he was able to say it with such confidence, because he's got someone to his right, and he's got someone to his left, and he's going, we're not coming down. I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down. And it was was so much easier to say that because he had people with him. He was not at this alone. You guys know what it's like to go into a project by yourself. When you're working on a project all by yourself, you're in your backyard and nobody's out there to help you, how easy it is for you to just go, I will never finish, ever. How easy it is for you to just go, I'm going to quit. When I came here to Boulder in 1999 to work on our college ministry on the campus, I... I started at, in Rock Creek. We're in the house that we're in right now. We get into this house. Jackie and the kids stay up in, in Seattle um, while I had a week down there to get the house ready. We're looking at this house, and the person that owned it before us sponge painted every wall in the house, and that was back when sponge painting was kind of in. And 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 they did it with a nerf ball, where they you could just you could just tell they dipped a nerf ball in the paint and threw it against walls. I mean, I don't know if you, some of you guys probably still have sponge paint in your house. It's out. You need to paint it, you guys. It's out. <laughs> Okay. We have sponge paint all over the walls of our house. And so I have to paint every room, and it's taken like four coats to get this paint, to get this sponge paint out from underneath the, on these walls. And I'm painting the first room, and I'm, I'm cutting it in on the top, and I'm trying to be all careful, and I'm painting it, and you can see all the Nerf ball all around it, you know, and then it, you paint it again, it's still there, and I'm thinking, this is going to take me forever. And I thought, I just want to quit. And then I thought, no, because Jackie's going to come down, and she sees all that, and she goes, what did you, you do this week? You know, so she wouldn't have. She would have picked up a paintbrush with me. But I, I wanted to make sure it got done before she got there. I didn't want to quit, but I was so ready to. And then the doorbell rings. And I'm thinking, who do I know? I don't know anybody. And so I went down to the front door, and I opened the door. And here's this guy standing there at the door. And he says, hi. He says, I'm a volunteer in your college ministry. And he says, my name is Jamie Miles. And he says, and I, I, I am here to help you. And he's got all his paint stuff on, and he's got a paintbrush and a roller. And He says, I'm here to paint your house. And I cannot tell you how fired up that made me. How I was all of a sudden with somebody else painting the house. And you think, oh good, we can do it twice as fast. It's not about twice as fast. It's about sharing the project. It's about somebody else with you. It's about someone else that'll laugh with you. Someone else that'll have lunch with you. Someone else that's with you in it. In the end, I'm going, I'm not going to quit. Jamie and I are painting a house together. There's so much more to having someone share it with you. That voice, you're going to quit, you're not going to finish, is so much easier to fight off when you've got someone with you. I started thinking about a Bible and how many of the people in the Bible, the major characters of the Bible, how many of them had somebody with them. Look at this list. I just made a short list. Look at this. Look at this. David and Jonathan, Mary and Elizabeth, Ruth and Naomi, Esther and Mordecai, Adam and Eve, Paul and Barnabas, Moses and Aaron, Jesus and his disciples. This is a tiny list of what you could put for the people and who they also had walking with them in this. They was on the wall with them. They was sharing it all with them. Now, the common denominator in this, the common thing that you see is the word and. David had his and, and Mary had her and, and Ruth had her and, and Paul had his and. They had their and. Someone that was going to help them stay on the wall, because they're doing a good work. The writer of Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one. And why does he write that? We think that it's Solomon that wrote Ecclesiastes. Why did Solomon write that? Because he says when one falls down, the other's there to pick him up. He's saying, you will fall. You will fall. And you need someone there to help pick you up. Two are better than one. Now, I know you hear that and you go, oh, that's the, that's the passage that you read at weddings. But it's not referring to just a, a, a marriage. I know that some of you hear this and you're going, oh, it's easier for you to say your and when you have Jackie. It's easy for you to say it if you have this great marriage. But what if I don't or what if I'm not married? I think some of you might, might say that, and it's, it's, it's easy for me. To listen, I love it that, I, that it's Bill and Jackie. I love that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, that is a fantastic, that is a blessing that I've had for the last 24 years, I think, I think, um, near there, 20 some years. It's a, it's been a, that's terrible, 93, to four, 24, 24 years, that, That has been a massive blessing for me for 24 years. Jackie has been my encourager. Jackie has been my person that puts up with me. Jackie's the one that will just go, Bill, really? You asked for more bread again at this fancy restaurant? You know, Jackie is that person that will just, uh, that is there and within all my flaws. So it is Bill and Jackie. She's my aunt, and I love that. But you know what? It's not just a spouse. It's not just a marriage that's your answer for your and. And in fact, Jackie and I need our ands. When you, when you look at these relationships, look at these relationships all, look at what their, their connection was. David and Jonathan, they were friends. Mary and Elizabeth, they were cousins. Ruth and Naomi were mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Esther and Mordecai were adopted, uh, uh, Esther was the adopted daughter for Mordecai. Adam and Eve's spouse, Paul and Barnabas, ministry partners, Moses and Aaron brothers, Jesus' disciples, he called them servants, and now he calls them friends. It comes from all over the place. When I came down here from, from, from Seattle, I was really missing my family in the Pacific Northwest, and a woman named Kathy Raven came to sit with me, and she said, Look, Bill, she said, you can either sit and, and, and be super sad about missing your family, you can recognize that God is going to provide for you, your family down here as well. And, also, and, and Kathy and Jim and Don and Dottie and Jerry Powell, they become my family down here. They become my and down here. Well, that doesn't fit spouse or mother. There's, there's all kinds of different ways that you can find your and. In fact, I started thinking about this in my own life. This is a great exercise for any of you guys to do. Think about your aunts. Who are your aunts? When I, when I need somebody that knows me all of the, to the core, that knows my very worst and my very best, Jackie, it's Bill and Jackie, or it's Bill and John. Because my twin brother, John, he's known me from the womb, so he knows it all too. So you go, man, that, that, that's, that's my aunt. When I need sharpening, when I, my faith needs sharpening, Jamie, the guy that was at my door painting with me, is my aunt. When I need encouragement, Jerry and Kathy are my aunt. When I need wisdom, Don is my aunt. When I just need to have fun and just go, just need to just, just get away from you guys. <laughs> Ross and Jeff are my aunt. Who's your aunt? And how are you cultivating those relationships so that when you're on the wall and you want the change to happen, you know that they're there standing with you, saying, I'm not going to let you give in to those lies. Who's your and? And in your marriage, when you sit there and say, well, I've got this great marriage, you need an and too. Bill and Jackie need an and. Jim and Kathy Raven have been our ands. Jim just died, and so Kathy is still our and. And now I'm looking for more that's going to, who's going to be our and? That's going to help us in our marriage. You need that. Who's your together, your and? We got to find that, you guys, because we got walls to stand on. And we got lies that are chirping in our ear and we need to find that. Now, I want to address a couple of people in here before we wrap this thing up. I want to address a few people. I want to address the men in this room. I don't like to do this very often because I don't want to, I don't like to, to, to have generalizations, but I want to address the men real quick. I think many of the men in this room, many men feel like they don't need this. I, I've got, okay, I, may, I mean, they might have their wife, and that's it, and I don't need anything else. The rest of it I could just grit my teeth on. I could just do this. I can do it on my own. I don't need that. Or they're afraid of it, and they don't want to admit you're afraid of it because you're afraid of the intimacy, that word intimacy. You're going, I, 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 don't, I don't need that with some other guy. And so you're just going to, we're going to keep being courageous on our own. Let me just tell you, that's not Courageous. That's a recipe for failure. You need your aunts. You need your, your, someone that's going to stand there with you. That's going to kick your butt when you need your butt kicked. That's going to encourage you when you, need to encourage, when you need encouragement. That you can confess things to, even around your marriage, if you're married, to just be able to confess that to somebody. You need your aunts. Do not sit back and think the courageous thing is to try to do this on your own. I want to address another group. You introverts in this room, okay? Now listen, I know this will shock some of you, but I'm an introvert. I know it doesn't look like that from here in front, but I am. I am. When I'm in a large group, there's times where I really need to just pull away by myself. When Jack was playing football for Mustang football when he was a kid, all of the parents would all stand at the 50-yard line and then a little bit of grandstands there, and they're all chatting with each other. And I'm down at the 20-yard line by myself, just pacing back and forth, watching my kid playing football. And looking over there going, I don't want to go over there. I'd much rather just stand right here and watch the game. And one of the moms uh, said to me afterwards, she knew that I was doing college ministry. She goes, Bill, she said, I think you'd be a good pastor if you liked people. That's not what you want to hear. I like people. But there's times that I got to pull away. And when you're in that, when you're feeling that kind of introverted feeling, you're going, man, I, I don't know if I want to do trailhead and get in with 15 other people. I don't know if I want to go on a mission trip with 40 other people. I don't know if I want to go find my aunts. And let me tell you, even an introvert needs an aunt. And so it might come through something different. It might not be 15 people sharing life together. It might be two. It might be a neighbor. It might be an old friend. It might be an old person that, that spoke into your life a long time ago that you're going to reconnect with. It might be a sibling that you need to go a little bit deeper with, but you need it. And let me, get, let me, let me speak to one more group, and this, this is a hard one. I want to speak the, to the people that are single in this room. I know this was a tough one. I want to be careful with this. I want to I want to recognize that this is sensitive. Especially you people that are older and single. I know that you're longing to have a spouse. And you want to have some of the things that I was just sharing about me and Jackie. And, I, and I'd want that for you too. I would want that for you too. But let me say this. You are not alone. You are not Alone. I need you to hear that, okay? Because sometimes, sometimes you, 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 we feel like okay, you're giving this kind of talk, and and but I am this person that is that is alone, and you're not. We're in there with you, and it might take you having to find your and. Through maybe you even start your own group. I'm gonna start a, a, a single mom's group. Or maybe there's somebody in this room that wants to invest in you, and I wanna be your, to, to, to walk with you in it. But see, if you, are a, if you are single, if you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, if you're single, and you're, st- and you're on this wall, and the wall, you want this wall to be the wall that's gonna connect you and debate be and and you're going, but I can't because I'm alone. If you conclude that you are alone in this, you'll give in to the lies really easily. You need your aunt, too. You need your aunt. Now, I know that this is hard to find it. And I know that it can hurt in trying to find it. And I know that maybe you've reached out and you can't find it. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep putting yourself out there. Maybe that's your wall right now is to go, I'm just going to go stand on this wall until I find my ants. Keep looking. I want you guys to think about Something. Did Jesus need his disciples and everybody else to help him? Did he need to share life with those guys? Could he have done his ministry without them? Could he have, could he have, could, could he have still have healed the, the lepers without his disciples with him? I think he could have. Could he have died for our sins and rose from the dead without us? I think he could have. But he chose not to. He said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to live, do this together. I'm going to live this thing together. I'm going to invite these people in and I'm going to get my ands from these people. And so when he needed to, to find rest and refuge, he found his and. And his and was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were his and. That's where he found rest. When he needed, when, he, when, when his disciples were afraid, he was their and on that boat. When he was afraid in the garden, his disciples were his and. And I think that's why he reacted the way he did, is going, man, you guys are falling asleep. I can't have you falling asleep right now. You're my and when, when he was, when his when he was dying on the cross and he looked down at John and Mary, he looked at John, he's going, Will you take care of my, my mom? He's looking at John, he's going, You're my and to take care of my mom, who's also my aunt. See, he shared all of that, and then in the greatest single love story and, and the, the greatest single moment when he rose from the dead, he tells people 2,000 years later, and I'm your and. And it will always be you and me. When you believe in what I'm saying, you're gonna, it's going to be you and me. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. We are in this together. He's saying it's going to be us but I want you to find the others that will help you to stand on the wall to see the change that's needed in your life and will fight off the lies that are coming. Now, here's what I did, you guys. You all got, hopefully, you all got one of these little packets when you first walked in. If you didn't, there's a table back there that's gonna have them all in there. Now, listen, I spent a lot of time on these, okay? (laughs) All day yesterday, Jackie and I and even Abby, Abby was in there rubber banding them and Jackie and I were in there putting these things together. It took us, believe it or not, when you do 5,000 of these, it takes you about nine hours. (laughs) So if you don't like it and you just throw it away, I want you to feel really guilty about that because I worked my tail off on these things. Here's where this came from. I'm sitting there with my friend, and when he went to bed, I sat there on his floor, and I thought about this passage. I am doing a great work and cannot come down. And I sat there and I thought, dang it, I'd want this all over his house. I want this in his wallet. I want this on his mirror in his bathroom. I want this in his refrigerator. I want this, I want this on his bedside. I want him to be reminded of this truth that God is right there with him. And that he, is, he, is, he has an and in Jesus and he's on this wall and he should not come down until this is complete. And so I want to remind him of that, and I want to put it all over the place. And so I thought, that's all I'm going to do. But I'm going to do that for all of us. And so you all have one of these, and there's five cards in there. And if you have your thing, your wall, your change that you need to make in your life, I want you to think about it, and I want you to hear this truth. I want you to see it coming right out of Scripture, and I want you to put it where you need to put it to remind you. Now, what took us so long is on the back, we also wrote and in a line. Who's your and? that you are sharing this with, that you're sharing this effort with? Who's that person that's, that's going to call you out when you need to be called out? Who's the person that you can share the embarrassing, messy stuff of your life with that says, I'm with you, and the change will happen because I'm with you? And I know that my friend is writing my name on there, and I tell you what, there's an accountability in that for me because I'm looking at it going, wow, I'm his aunt, and. I got to help him with this. Who's, who, who's writing your name down? And what name are you writing down? And if you don't have a name to write down, we gotta fix that. Maybe it's a therapist that you gotta go to. Maybe it's one of us that you gotta come meet with. Maybe it's your trailhead that you gotta say, guys, I need this. Whatever it is, we gotta figure out what, word, what name you can put on there that says, I need help. Help me to stand on this wall. Two are better than one. When one falls, the other is there to pick them up. That is God's plan, that we do this together. Father, I pray that you would help us, help us to, uh, to, to, to recognize the places where we need change, to recognize the, the places where we, are, where we are just continually to go down the same old road. And we pray that you would, you would bring that to the front, and that we would stand on that wall. And I pray, Lord, that you would provide for us the people that we did have on that wall with us, God, I know that it strikes a chord with some people where they just go, I don't know what to put on there. I don't have an end." I pray, Lord, that you would help them to find it. And if it is through this church that they would find it, I pray that they would find it through every, every avenue that we could possibly give them through ascent. And if it is not through that, this church, then it is through some other relationship that would give them their hand and, and helps them to stand on the wall. We thank you, Jesus, that you say you will never leave us nor forsake us and you are on that wall with us. We pray that you would continue to provide the people around us to help us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.